If you have your Bibles tonight, we want to turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 2. The book of Mark, chapter number 2. We've been preaching a series called Treasures from the book of Mark. We've not gotten very far uh, in Mark, chapter number 2. We're looking tonight at verses 15, 16, and 17. And so I want to read those three verses, and we might go back and grab 13 and 14 later on. Let's look at 15, 16, 17. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. When the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. From this text, I believe the Lord would have us preach on this thought tonight. Jesus, the sinner's friend. Amen? amen. Say amen tonight if you found Jesus to be the sinner's friend. Amen? Amen. Thank God that Jesus has been my friend, amen, and he's still my friend. And he knows all about me and my, my, my downfallings and, and, and all of my unfaithfulness. He knows all about it, and yet he's still my friend. I've had a lot of so-called friends that turned their back and walked away, but honey, Jesus never has walked away, and he knows the truth, amen. Thank God for it. There was a traveling businessman, he... Uh, had approached the front desk at a, a hotel to secure himself a room for the night. And uh, the front desk said, Sir, there is no room available. You should have made reservations and uh, you've got nowhere to stay here. You're going to have to go somewhere else. And the man became very agitated and very disturbed. There was a, a portly gentleman, if I can say that, standing nearby and overheard what was happening. And he... Uh, offered to this man, he said, sir, he said, I'm staying alone. I'm sure there's double beds. You're welcome to share my room and spend the night and it won't cost you a thing. And the man said, are you kidding? I'll kindly accept your kind offer. And so sure enough, they went upstairs and, and as the day would have it, they got ready to go to bed. He, the one man, the portly man said, well, I always say my prayers before bed. And he got down to his bedside and he began to pray, and in his prayers, he prayed for the stranger that he had just met. And they went on to bed. One man in his bed, the stranger in the other. And the stranger laid awake, he said, most of the night, because why would this guy, this portly fellow, pray for me? What does he know about me? And he said, the next morning when the gentleman got up, he said, well, it's time to arise. And he said, I always like to begin my day with prayer and he fell back to the bedside and began to pray again and he prayed for the stranger again. And then he got his Bible out. He said, I always begin my busy day by reading the scripture. Do you mind if I read some scripture aloud that you might share with me as well? He said, no, that would be fine. And so the, the, the man began to read the scripture and then he stopped and he said, I, I want to give him a testimony. Begin to witness to him and tell him about Jesus. And he said, Sir, can I ask you kindly, are you a Christian? He said, uh, no, sir, I'm not. And he said, I've thought about it all night. He, Why would you pray for me? And he said, well, I'm concerned for your soul. And to make a long story short, the stranger fell to his bedside 
and the portly man led the stranger to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He called on the Lord, amen. And uh, they were fellowshipping and getting ready to you know, go their separate ways for the day. And, and so the portly gentleman said it might be good if we could exchange business cards that we might have later contact with one another. And I might check on you and you check on me. And, and the stranger said, man, that would be great. I'd love that. He said, I, I'll have a lot of questions about the Bible. I'll, I'll need you to pray for me. And so they exchanged business cards and two the stranger surprise when he received his business card from that gentleman that shared the room with him. It said, United States Secretary of State, Williams Jennings Bryant. He had spent the night with the United States Secretary of State who took the time to share his room and took the time to share his testimony and took the time to win this man to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you and I need to learn to be sinners' friends as well. I believe that whenever Christ reigns in our heart, he is spoken of from our lips. Amen. I believe that when Christ reigns in our heart, there'll be actions to go with the faith that we live out every single day. What about you? When I look at the text tonight, I think we need to go back and grab verses 13 and 14. And I want us to see, first of all, the man that Jesus saved. Verse 13, Jesus, he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now we see the word and. It's a conjunction linking together all the events of, of men being saved and devils being cast out. And, and it starts with and. And Jesus, he is walking by the sea, seaside. He's going forward. And as he does, the multitudes with him and Jesus is teaching them the word of God. This is the opportunity to hear the gospel. And then there's an observation. As he's walking with this multitude by the seaside, he sees a man. This, man named, this man's name is Levi. He's got a tax collector's booth. He's sitting at the corner of the seaside and the highway there. He's collecting taxes from the Jews, giving them to Rome. I'm telling you, they hated this guy. They were against this guy. Uh, his occupation was a tax collector. And he was taking taxes from his own countrymen and giving them to the enemy, to those that oppressed them. And that he was considered vile. He was considered uh, a, an unclean animal. He wasn't allowed to go to the synagogue. He wasn't allowed to give his tithe. Uh, they didn't want anything to do with him. And yet Jesus, when he saw him, he said to him, follow me. And this man knew he was a sinner. He knew he had cheated the people. And he thought, oh boy, this is my one chance to get my life right. This is my one chance to have my sins put behind me. And he, he did the unthinkable. He left behind all the riches that he had with his tax collector's booth, never to go back to it again. He got up and began to follow Jesus Christ and became a disciple of the Lord. Thank God for it. Jesus loves the rejects. Jesus loves the unwanted. Jesus loves the sinners. And he saved Levi that very day. Thank God for it. I appreciate his obedience as he got up and began to follow Jesus in the way. So we see the man 
that Jesus saved. May I say he saved me, amen. Number two, we've come to our text in verse 15. We see the meal that Jesus shared. Verse 15, and there that conjunction is again, linking together, he's just saved Levi. Levi has just begun to follow the Lord and for all I know, the very same day or the day after, the Bible says it came to pass, so it happened quickly, Levi has called all of his friends, his sinner friends, and he says, hey, come see a man. I want you to meet the man, the Lord Jesus. I'm throwing a banquet, a feast in my house. Anybody that'll come, I'll feed you. We'll have a great time, and you can meet my new friend Jesus. And so what does he do? Look at the crowd. The Bible says, when Jesus came, he sat at meat in his house, many publicans, that is other tax collectors, no doubt he had a lot of business associates. He had a lot of acquaintances in the tax collecting business. And he said, fellas, this man forgave me of all my sins, how I've cheated, all the scandals, all the extortion, all the bribes. He forgave me of all that. You've got to meet this guy. He treated me like nobody else has ever treated me. He did not condemn me. He did not judge me. He loved me. He accepted me. And he forgave me. You got to meet this guy. And so all the publicans that Levi knew, he invited all of them to come. And the Bible says many came. And sinners. Oh, man, you know what? There may have been women that they had retorted with. There, there, may, they, there may have been uh, drug dealers that they had consorted with. There, there may have been all kinds of worldly wickedness, alcoholics, drunkards, amen. He gathered them one and all in his house. What a crowd is gathered there that day. May I say this? When Levi got saved, the Lord said, follow me. And he arose and followed him. The first thing Levi did was he began witnessing. He started telling others about Jesus immediately. He didn't go get a training course on it. Amen? He didn't say, I need to be approved. I need to get a degree. No. He immediately began to call people and say, I got saved. You need to meet Jesus. He is a friend of sinners. And I believe he was winsome in doing it. What does that mean? He was friendly. He didn't start judging his other friends and say, I'm better than you boys now. That's not what he did. He was winsome. He was friendly as Jesus had been friendly to him. Amen. Bethel, are we friendly? Are we the sinner's friend? Oh, we look down our pious, religious nose at others because we think ourselves better than somebody else. Maybe you think you're better than somebody else because you went to the prayer room. Maybe you think you're better than somebody else because you go to Sunday school. Maybe you think you're better than somebody else because you go to Sunday night. Maybe you think you're better than somebody else because you're at Wednesday. Well, preacher Darren, I am. No, honey, that does not mean you're better than anybody. It means that you want to learn more about Jesus. That's what we just sung about. And that you want to give him your everything. Amen? It does not make you better. Amen? We're all equal in the sight of the Lord God Almighty. Now that probably cuts somebody down. And I believe, listen, I believe that there's probably some people that's so filled with pride they could strut sitting down. I believe that. I believe that. Now, you see the crowd. He's got sinners that are gathered there in the house. And who else is there? His guest of honor, the Lord 
Jesus Christ. He is there. And the Bible says Jesus sat at meat. The word here in the Greek is the word that he was reclining. Luke's gospel says it was a great, a great, a magos feast. Amen. It was a great big banquet. And Levi, after the great business that he had for all those years, he had the money, the wherewithal, probably a big house he lived in. He could afford to buy all this meat and buy all these people. And he brings them all to hear about Jesus. May I say this too? Whenever he first got saved and he started witnessing immediately and he did it in a winsome way, he also used what was available to him, his very own house. He invited people to his house, his friends, to let them hear about Jesus. Are you inviting, are you willing to have others over to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to go out to a meal and sit down and eat to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do you want to have a meal to talk about the preacher? Do you want to have a meal to talk about the church? Honey, you don't need to talk about the preacher. Amen. Amen. And you don't need to talk about the church. You need to talk about Jesus. That's what you need to talk about. There's another crowd there. The Bible says in verse number 16, when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat, with the publicans and the sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? You know who's there? They're not in the house. The scribes are the experts of the law. The Pharisees, mm, this is going to cut, this is going to cut. They are the religious, fundamental, independent conservatives of the day. And they were so religious, they would not go in the house of Levi. He's a tax collector. We ain't going in there. We're better than that. He, in their eyes, is still a cheater and filled with scandal, and he is still a sinner. And every time the door opened, that another sinner, a publican or a sinner, walked in Levi's house, they were peeking in. Every time the door opened, well, what's going on in there? And there goes another one in. Look at the crowd. It's gathered now. I can't believe, I mean, this is ridiculous. What kind of religious assembly is going on over there? I can't believe it. I look at that crowd. Tax collectors, publicans. We can, look at that girl. Look how she's dressed. Why, we know her reputation. This guy's been an alcoholic. Look, he's got 14 friends with him. Man, they were just watching, and they saw Jesus there. And they said, hey, 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 come here. And I believe some of Jesus' disciples, his disciples were there too. They went over there and said, hey, hey, let's, let, us, let us bend your ear a minute. You ever had your ear bent? Let me, I'm a church member. I've been in here a long time. You're a deacon. Let me talk to you. I'm going to tell you, I don't like the fact that your master is eating with publicans and sinners. If he's really a holy man like we are, he would not be in there with that crowd. He would be out here with us that are redeemed, us that are conservatives, 
us that are fundamental and independent from everybody else. We are, he, if he really knew who he was with, he's not no holy man. He's as much, this is what they're saying, he's as much scum as they are. That's what they're saying. Now, now, let, now watch the text. They are bending Jesus' disciples' ears. They're not saying it to Jesus. They're saying it to his disciples. Honey, if you're big enough, just go ahead and say it straight to him. Pharisees didn't want to, they wanted to talk about him, but they didn't want to talk to him. Hello, church. A lot of people want to talk about him, but they don't want to talk to him. Amen. We've got to start talking to him, amen. We've got to quit talking, hey, Let's talk about the church. We don't like this and we don't like that and we're upset and we're mad. Honey, let me just tell you something. The, the Bible tells us that this crowd is putting down Jesus because he is eating with publicans and sinners. There was a bunch of children out playing. And one little boy, his name was Mark, he said, I'm better than all y'all because my name's in the Bible. Another one said, no, you're not. My name's Timothy. My name's in the Bible too. And another one, she turned around and she said, well, my name is Rachel. My name's in the Bible too. And one by one, they started getting a big argument about whose name was in the Bible and whose name wasn't in the Bible. And finally, one little girl said, well, my name's in the Bible too. And they said, no, it is not. I mean, you got Matthew and you got Timothy and you got Mark and you got Rachel, but your name is Edith. Your name is not in the Bible. Oh, yes, it is in the Bible. Jesus, the Bible says, he received sinners and eateth with them. Amen. Do you get my drift? Let's just hold right here and turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 18. Luke, chapter 18. I've took two, I'm hung up right here. Luke, chapter 18. I want to look in verse number 10. Jesus, he's speaking a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, I'm telling you about these Pharisees. They could strut sitting down, okay? They trusted in themselves that they were, what did he say? That they were righteous and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, hint, hint, that's a tax collector, Standing afar off, would not lift up, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." Jesus said, "I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself." shall be exalted. Amen. I'm glad to stand before this church today and say your pastor is a sinner. 
He's the sinner that got saved by the blood of Jesus. But I'm still a sinner because I have a body and a flesh that's sinful. And if you want to kick me out, go ahead. But you'll have to go with me because you're one too. At least I think you are. Amen. Now go back to our text. They're accusing Jesus. They're saying he's supposed to uphold the standard. He's supposed to be preaching righteousness. But instead, he's receiving and consorting with sinners. May I say this? A little over 100 years ago, Reverend William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he was walking on the streets with his son, Bramwell. Booth said to his son over the, the noise of sinful music and over the screams and the cries of those at a party, over the, no, over the, over the smell of alcohol, he said, son, look around. These are our people. Bring them to Jesus. Bramwell, his son, said, that moment left such a lasting impression in my life that I want to spend the rest of my life bringing the lost to Jesus. May I say, when God started dealing with me about preaching, I said, I want you to preach. The preacher preached on the true vine. I'm the branches. and You must abide in the vine. Man, the Holy Ghost began to say, I want you to preach the gospel. I said, Lord, I'm barely even saved. I don't even know that I can tell somebody I was on this side of the altar. I don't even know that if I could tell somebody how to be saved. And I'm arguing, wrestling with God. And somebody grabbed the breeches legs of my pants. I turned and looked. And he said, Darren. I said, what is it? Tears dripping off his face. He said, man, I just want to tell you I need to be saved. And I don't know what to do. In the same place, I said, God, I can't do it. I turned right around and the Holy Ghost gave me the words, opened the word of God to read to him, and my friend got saved. God takes your excuses right out. And ever since I saw that boy, when he stood up, everybody's going back to their seat, I said to the pastor, put my arm around him. Listen, I wasn't even preaching yet. Put my arm around him and said, Pastor, this boy's got something he wants to say. He turned around and he said, I just want to thank God for saving my soul and for forgiving my sins, and now I'm on my way to heaven. And I want to apologize to y'all for being plastic. I want to apologize to y'all for being a counterfeit. I've been in this church with y'all for years, and y'all have loved me and been good to me. And I want to tell you, I've been lying to you. I've been a deceiver. Will you forgive me like Jesus did? Yes, glory to God. He got in, amen. And ever since that moment, I saw my friend get saved. I want to spend the rest of my life Leading people, bringing them to Jesus Christ. There's nothing else like it. If you've never done it, honey, I suggest you get the chance to do it. Amen. Get to work. He'll provide that opportunity. There's nothing like it. Do you see the meal that Jesus shared with that sinful crowd and with that prideful crowd and with his disciples who have their ear bent not to listen to what Jesus has to say when he's teaching they're spending their time listening to what the Pharisees and the scribes are complaining about. I've spent too much of the ministry listening to the complaints of people that I could never, I could never satisfy. 
I've been better off to bring the lost to Jesus than to satisfy a religious crowd. Amen. It's the truth. Well, thirdly, I think I'll be done right here. There is the mercy that Jesus showed. The Bible says in verse 17, when Jesus heard it, so he heard those gentlemen, I'll call them gentlemen, and I won't call them by name to protect the identity of the guilty, but as they stood out there, <laughs> Jesus heard what they were saying, and he said unto them, unto those Pharisees and those scribes, now listen, they were talking about Jesus, but he talked to them. He didn't say, listen, he didn't say to his disciples, you go tell them boys that this is what I said. No, honey, he's big enough to do it himself. He spoke to me himself, amen, thank God for it. He, look what he said. He said, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. What about that? Of course, the healthy don't need a physician. The sick people need a physician. Those people that are lost, sick in sin, they're in need of the great physician. Have you met him? The saved to get off in sin, and the result is wounds. Spiritually, death comes to them. But may I say this too? I want to read out of Jeremiah. Turn there with me. Chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. I spent some time on this right here. Jeremiah 17, and I want to look at verse number 9. The great physician, he is a specialist in all fields. He's not just a general physician. He's a spiritual, physical, emotional. Honey, he's a great physician, and he specializes in all fields. Maybe somebody here, you've had a heart issue and your general doctor referred you to someone that specializes in the heart. Well, the great physician is a heart doctor. And he says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What, preacher Dad? What? No, I'm not just talking to lost people. I'm talking to y'all. You saved? Your heart is desperately wicked. It, it will deceive you. I mean, the Bible says, who can know it? I mean, like we read scripture, it says, try me, O Lord, and see. One time I was at the church, and, 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 and we had had a great, man, what a great, glorious service. I went to the altar. I was getting, trying to get close to God. I said, oh, God. I want to get close to you. I want you to examine my heart. I want you to clean me up. God, whatever's in there that I don't know about, God, I want you to get it out. Take it away from me, man. I'd had a great time talking to God. And I got in the car going home, and my wife said, tomorrow we need to do such and such. And I said, no, 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 I've got such and such else I've got to do. She said, no, no, honey, we've got to do this. We've, we've recommitted. Oh, no, you committed, but I'm not committed to do it. And the next thing I knew, we had a difference of opinion. And it was quite a difference of opinion. She was pretty strong about how she felt about it. And I was probably a touch even stronger about how I felt about it. So much so that by the time we walked into the door of our house, 
I remember the door slam. I remember going up the steps. Y'all, I hate to do this. I just wanted somebody to know that I was unhappy. And I got up there, ripping off my tie. I ripped off my jacket. I can't believe I made that. There's no way we could possibly do this. I mean, she ought to know better than try to oversketch. And the Holy Ghost said, hey, 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 preacher. Hey, you know, the hey boy that was at the altar saying, God, what's in my heart? I want to get it out. I said, God, I thought you got it out. No, no, no. You said, let's get it out. So I'm showing you what's in there so you can get it out. You need to confess it to me. You need to acknowledge it to me. You, you need to get right with me. Oh, God, I'm so ashamed. How dare I be such a fool? We've had such a great... And y'all sit here like you ain't never, ever had that problem. And I know I'm going to be kicked out of the ministry over this, but, 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 but I, I got down and said, Oh, God, please help me, Jesus. Forgive me. Oh, God, please. God said, I forgive you, but now go ask her. I said, but you bigger than her. She, she, you understand better than she does. You the one talk to me. God said, right, and I'm telling you to go get right with her. Oh, God, are you sure? Yes, you got to go get right with her. I went down the steps different than I went up the steps. I went up the steps slamming my feet. I went down the steps kind of easy. Even missing that one I knew would creak. I walked around the living room to the kitchen and I heard pots and pans. Boom, bam. Just, you know, amen. And I walked up behind her and I put my arm around her. She come around. No, I'm just kidding. I put more, and I whispered in her ear. I said, honey, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'll adjust my day. Oh, she said, no. I should have asked you first and I didn't. I said, no. I need to do whatever you need me to do. And I'm telling you, I planted one on her lips. Don't look. That's my business between me and her. And we, I'll just be honest, we need to fight more, me and my wife. That would be a blessing if we did, amen? Because that was such a great experience. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You may sit around and say, oh, no, I've never, no, my heart's not my, I'm my. Ask God, Lord, show me what's in my heart. I can get it out of there. God, get it out. You ever had a pimple? You want to get it out of there. It's going to fester up. Get it, get it out of your heart. Oh, but you ain't going to like what you find in there. Amen? You, you, you may go through this, oh, me and God's had a religious experience. We've had church tonight. Hallelujah. This is great. The next thing you know, you're in trouble. I'm hung up right here. I got to move on. I, I'm just saying, he's a heart doctor. The, the, the Bible says, I don't have time to read it. But the mouth speaketh from the abundance of the heart. Those dirty words you said, those unkind expressions, they are coming, they are coming up in the bucket of the well of your heart. You need to say, don't say, I just got mad, I just got upset. No, bless God, that's what's in your heart. It came up, what's in there, and it's trying to come out, and you try to put it back. You no, know, God's got to fix it. He's a heart doctor. He'll also be the doctor for those that have profane lips. I, I ain't got time to preach all this, but when, when we get in sin, we get polluted hands. 
our hands are busy in mischief, doing things we ought not to do, and we touch unclean things, and you run around here saying, oh, Lord, I've been around somebody with the COVID. Oh, Lord, I got around somebody with a runny nose. Oh, Lord, somebody had a stomach bug. Oh, Lord, I don't know what I want. Huh? You do that 50 times a day or more. But yet you'll never take the time to pray and wash your soul and get right with God. All you want to do is wash your physical hands, but you don't ever want to wash what's on the inside. Hello? Some of us, we have poisoned eyes. What have you been looking at? What have you been witnessing? Some of us have plugged ears. We don't heed the gospel. We need an ear, doctor. Some of us have a perverted mind. You need a brain, doctor. Some of you have prancing feet. You, your feet are swift, running into discord. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. It's just unreal. Hey, let me tell you something. Did you know that the saved people can get turned over to Satan for a destruction of the flesh? I can read it to you in the text. We have a great physician that we, the sick, need to call upon him for our issues of our mind, our eyes, our ears, our lips, our heart. We need to get right with God about it. And I promise you this, the great physician's diagnosis is right. He loves you and he wants to bind up your wounds. In Ezekiel, you're close, chapter 36, Ezekiel 36, I'm almost done. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. This is what the heart doctor wants to do. I ain't got time to preach all these. I wish I did. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. You see that? God said I can give you a new heart. A heart to love me. A heart to respond to me. Now here's the thing. You go see your doctor and he makes a, a, a diagnosis of you and he says I want you to take these two pills and I want you to take this other prescription. Doctor I don't like prescriptions. The only way you're going to get better is to take them. Well I ain't taking them. Well, you ain't going to get better. Well, you're a doctor. Heal me. He can't. He don't have that power. So he gives you a prescription. Let me tell you something. You can either abide by what the doctor says or you can cross your arms and stub your lip and hold your breath and pout all you want to. But I promise you the great physician's diagnosis of your situation is right. And when he says, my word is your only hope. You need to get in it. And you must submit to the doctor's care. Are you willing to be under the care of the great physician? Amen. Back to our text. Mark chapter 2. They that are whole, they that are whole, they that are whole, they that are healthy, have no need of the physician. But they that are sick, and you may sit here already and say, oh, that's for somebody else. Honey, he knows what's going on with you. Read on. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Jesus, hear me, Jesus cannot help people that think they are righteous. 
said, I didn't come to call the righteous. If you think you're righteous, he didn't come to, come to deal with you. He said, I come to call sinners to repentance. Remember the Pharisee and the publican there at the temple? The Pharisee thought he was righteous. He said, I fast twice a week. I say all these prayers. I do this. He thinks he's better than others and therefore thinks I don't need a Savior. Other people do, but I don't. Honey, I'm telling you, if you think yourself righteous, he's done with you. You're in trouble. I want to give you a true testimony. A woman attended a church service. She came in with the rags of sin. She had on a pair of ruined pants and clothing. She had had a baby out of wedlock with a man of another race and everybody was gossiping about her as soon as she came in. The deacons went to the preacher before he ever got in the pulpit to pressure him to expel her before the service or the choir ever sang. And the church felt righteous in doing so. But the preacher said, let's trust God. He sent her and let's let our choir minister and let us preach the gospel to her. The lady wept much. She left the service because of the way the church had treated her and uh, went out to hear a Salvation Army. I'm on the Salvation Army tonight. Preacher. And she got saved on the street. You see, Jesus took her in. The church wouldn't take her in, but Jesus took her in. The choir wouldn't take her in, but Jesus took her in. The preacher wouldn't take her in, but Jesus took her in. Honey, I don't want to be a church that says no. We need to be a church that lets Jesus do the work he needs to do. Let me tell you what happened to her. After she got saved, she got married. She delivered that baby. She raised a godly family. Her son, the one that the church didn't want, became a preacher of the gospel. You see, legalism and self-righteousness did not help her, but the great physician helped her. Here's our problem. We have forgotten that we were once sinners. We forgot all about it. I keep talking about William Booth. I want to I conclude here. You can close your Bible. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he was a powerful preacher, highly successful. He was a Methodist pastor. He pastored thousands of people. And they had a big Methodist conference, and he was up there with, uh, with the bishop, and uh, he had sought permission in the meeting to go out into the streets to reach sinners. And the bishop of the Methodist conference said, I will not release you. You're too valuable in the Methodist traditional church. You'll never be used like that out on the street. And Reverend Booth sat down broken. He sat down ready to quit. And his wife jumped up. She was in the balcony. And you may say, well, that might be the whole problem. His wife shouldn't have been in the balcony. She ought to have been down there with him. His wife ran down to the balcony and she said, William, let's follow God. Amen. And William Booth got up and said, I resign today from the pastorate and from the Methodists. And walked away. And they said, you will never make it. And he had a fierce battle because the church turned on him. Sin and the church fought hard against him. But he stayed the course and he built the Salvation Army and he preached 
this message. Jesus is the friend of sinners and led over two million souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. He died in 1912. Over four days, more than 150,000 people came to view the body and pay the respects. It took 3,000 officers to direct the traffic in 1912. More than 35,000 attended his funeral in person. 10,000 walked more than five miles to the place of his burial. There were 58 flags of nations that went before him, nations that he had reached for the cause of Christ. And for many a year, every year, to commemorate the day he died, many a vile sinner that got right with God and repented would walk to his grave and thank God for sending a man that would tell him about Jesus, the friend of sinners. And as much as William Booth loved sinners, he could save no one. You know who does the same in Bethel? It's Jesus. It's not been you. It's never been up to you. It's not up to me. It's not flesh and blood. It's Jesus. Hallelujah to God. I want to read one more text. I said I was done, but I got to read one more text. John 15, 15. You could quote it, but I want you to underline it in your Bible if it's not already. Turn where? John 15, 15. You can stand to your feet as you turn, if you can do two things at one time. Stand to your feet. We'll turn to a scripture. John 15, 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you Jesus called this old sinner boy his friend. I talk to people all the time and all they want to do is name drop to me. Do you, do you know the Edwards family? Oh, yeah, I know them. Do, do, you, do you know? I get that a lot. Do you do? Yeah, I know them. But you know what? The greatest name that we'll ever be associated with is Jesus. And he called me his friend. Am I a friend to Jesus? I like that old song, I'll be a friend to Jesus. But friends don't act the way we do sometimes. Father, thank you for Jesus who's a friend of sinners. Thank you, Lord, for that night when the world had rejected me and when no one would receive me when I made my way down that aisle that night and I bowed between those two front pews to an empty altar I saw and people standing around eyeballing me on what's this boy going to do? Jesus was my friend (laughs) and I thank you Lord that you sent my daddy down behind me Thank you for my daddy to lay his warm hand upon my back to say, son, he's come to you. Let's call on him. (laughs) And Lord, you took me in and I praise you. You took in a hog gut sinner that deserved to be in hell with his back broke 
but you took me in. <laughs> and I praise you. And you've been my friend. <laughs> but I've not always been yours. Lord, I'm ashamed of the way, Father, that our heart reacts and our mind thinks and what our ears hears and our eyes see and what our lips speak. God, forgive us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.